If you're new, we've been uh, in a three-week series called Margin. We're just looking at the need for renewal, space for uh, to breathe, um, <clears throat> space for our soul to be renewed, for physically, emotionally, spiritually to regain some strength. And uh, that only comes when we have space in our life for that. And, and I've interacted with a lot of you about how this series has landed with you and kind of what places of your your life this is spoken to and appreciated that so much um, one of the one of the pushbacks to this topic could be uh, I understand the need for that I understand the need for margin but I don't control my time I, I don't have control over how I spend my day I don't have control over what my obligations are and I get that there's a point to which that is absolutely true, right? If you want a paycheck, if you want to be able to pay your bills, uh, pay your mortgage, then you have to show up at a certain time at work and you have to stay until a certain time, right? And, and it's, you could argue, like, I don't control that time. That's controlled for me. I'm obligated to that particular Time You need a certain amount of sleep at night, right? Like you're out for a certain period of time. You, you can't solve problems during that time. You can't have margin. You can't do all of the things we're talking about during that time. Totally get that, and you're absolutely right. I mean, there are certain times in our life, there's certain aspects of our day that we don't control, and so maybe... The goal is don't focus on those areas. If you don't control them, focus on the areas you do have control over, right? In order to build this margin, this breathing space in our life, in order to have margin, we must control what we can control, what's in our hand, what we have discretion over, what we can say yes and no to, because there is certainly some part of your life where that is true. And the question is, well, what am I doing with that part of my life? How am I arranging? How am I, as we said last week, how am I prioritizing that particular part of my life so that I'm not stressed all the time, I'm not under pressure all the time, I'm not loaded down all of the time? And maybe the place to start is just define what that is, right? Define what you control. What, what in your life is the time or the aspects that you do have control over. Don't feel guilty about what you don't control. Don't beat yourself up over about what you don't get to say yes and no to. But get really, really specific about the times that you do have control. Because sometimes I think if, if we get specific and we get honest, sometimes we'll realize that the things that I think I don't have control over, maybe I do have a little more control than I'm giving myself credit for. Right, easy example, low-hanging fruit. Uh, those parents who say, "I don't have control of my time. My kids are signed up for 15 things," and I always want to ask, "Who signed them up for 15 things?" Right? Like, who said they could sign up for 15 things? Right? Sometimes we say, "I don't have control." We really do have control, or maybe you don't have control right now because they're already signed up, but you had control at one point. And there will come another time, sign-up season will roll around again, and you will have control during that time. Sometimes we say, I don't have control, but maybe we do have control. Or maybe we can regain control at some time, right? Sometimes we, 
We say we don't have control, I think, because it relieves us, relieves us of responsibility. Right? It releases us from having to say, I did this. Nobody wants to say it. When their life is crazy and out of control, nobody wants to say, I did this to myself. But chances are, many times, we did this to ourselves. It's a lot easier to think they are doing this to me. They're making me do this. I have no control over this because it's them. Man, but sometimes it's not them. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes I did all of this. This requires a lot of honesty on our individual parts. We just have to be really honest with ourselves about what we can control, what we didn't control, what we want to control in the future. We, we have control. And yes, there are areas where we don't. There are times of our day that we don't control, but if we dig kind of beneath the surface, even of some of those, it's likely that you have some control over those, right? I mean, you chose the job that you have. And, and I don't want to be overly simplistic. Uh, I'm not suggesting anybody quit their job today, especially if you don't have a job to go to. All right, don't, cut, don't come next week and say, you told me to quit my job and I can't pay my mortgage. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have some choices over what we do and, and how it's affecting us and whether it's a good thing for us. We, we certainly control what's going to happen in the future. Do I need to begin thinking about a different plan, a different, a different way to get our needs met? Because this is sort of tearing things apart in our lives. We do have some control over those things. We have some control over how we go about getting our work done, most of us. Like if I'm working all day and then I'm coming home and working after I get home, Am I doing something during the day that's keeping me from getting all that done? And, I, and listen, I get it. Some of us work all day, and we still have more to do. I get it. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying it's all easy to solve. What I'm trying to get you to think about is sometimes we instinctively say, well, that's out of my control, and, and maybe not all of it is out of your control. We even talked about sleep. Again, exaggerated, low-hanging fruit, but if you're sleeping 12 hours, then you, you could probably do something about that, all right? Like if you're waking up at noon and you don't work the night shift, like you, you have some control over that. So don't defer to, I don't have control because you may have more control than you think. Control is very difficult to define sometimes. And so just don't defer to someone else being in control when, when you may be in control. I, assess, as you're defining where you have control, assess those little things that begin to take time away from you. Right? Those little places where you begin to lose time, you get, begin to get backed up on time. I, I, I guess Netflix can be a way to recharge and a way to refresh it's just that thing that starts the next episode within 15 seconds that it's easy for an episode to become three seasons right it just keeps going same thing uh with our phones just just a little bit at a time just just a little few seconds just just one more thing just one more 
check, right? Sometimes we doom scroll on social media. We, we jump from platform to platform and back again, checking, have any new messages come in? I'm just going to check my email one more time to see if I got another message. All of these little ways that we give time away. I mentioned um, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This is from his book. A recent study found that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. Each user is on his or her phone for two and a half hours over 76 sessions, which sounds low to me. A similar study found that just being in the same room as your phones, even if they are turned off, will reduce someone's working memory and problem-solving skills. Translation, they make us dumber. As one summary of the report put it, if you grow dependent on your smartphone, it becomes a magical device that silently shouts your name at your brain at all times. Pick me up, look at me, check me. It buzzes, it plays a nice song. It's just constantly there calling for us, isn't it? You see, in order to establish margin, we've got to deal with distractions. We got to deal with those things that just suck a little bit of time here and a little bit of time there, and then add it all together ends up being a large amount of time. Later in the book, uh, Comer references Tristan Harris, a Silicon Valley insider. Harris points out that slot machines make more money than the film industry and baseball combined, even though they take only a few quarters at a time because the slot machine is addictive. And those small amounts of money feel inconsequential in the moment. It's just a few quarters, right? Or five bucks or 20, but over time, they add up. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little. And that's the way our time is. It seems inconsequential if I check every few minutes, right? But added together over a day, added together over a week, those distractions make it difficult for us to have time for renewal, time for rest, time to be with the Lord, time for margin, for breathing room. Psalm 23 is um, perhaps the most well-known psalm, uh, maybe the most often quoted psalm, certainly the most psalm, the psalm used the most in a time of comfort, like if somebody needs comfort. It's often requested at funerals, and if you know a line, it is probably the line that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And those who are grieving or are or, or often at a funeral, people will want that as a reminder that even as difficult as life is right now, God is with us, God is walking with us. But if you push back at, at the overall uh, theme of the psalm, it's not just comfort. David is telling us, he, he's drawing a picture of what, <clears throat> of what our life with God should look like, what our life should be like. And here, here's how it starts. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. What, what does David teach us? In order to have margin, I must confront my desires, my wants, 
right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Some of you if, you, if you grew up like Sunday school, vacation Bible school, you probably memorized this in the King James. The King James, King James Version says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. Um, my need for more is under control when I'm satisfied in my relationship with God. I learn to say enough and mean it. I learn to be satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm following after him. I am satisfied in my life. I'm not constantly desiring. I'm not constantly wanting. Now, this is the direct opposite of every message we're going to hear in, in our culture, right? Because every message we hear is you need more or you need newer or you need to upgrade. You need bigger, you need faster. You, you need more of whatever. You need the newest. And there's this constant message of attaining and getting more and running faster and having the newest thing. And David said this is the picture of someone who's walking in step with God. They're not wanting all the time. They're able to step back and say, enough. It's fine. I'm satisfied. I have enough. If God gives me more, if God opens the door for more, I'm going to pursue things. But I don't have this unsatisfied desire for more and more and more and more. Desire of itself is not bad. Uncontrolled, runaway desire, always wanting and needing more is what is crushing to us. David paints a picture. This is what it looks like to walk with God. I am satisfied. I have enough. I don't have to keep rushing and running I can slow down. Parents, we have to wrestle with this sometimes when it comes to our kids, right? Because not only do we want more for us, but we want things for our kids. And some of those are great, and some of those are beneficial. But if you're not careful as a parent, you'll want things for your kids that they don't want. Right? You'll want more, and you'll push more. And again, I get it. You, you do have to kind of direct, and you have to challenge and say, hey, Let's make a goal. Let's, let's do this. I get all of that. But in the world that we live in, I, I often see parents who want things for their kids and push their kids in directions their kids do, don't want. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't have this want all the time. I don't have this need and desire and, and always trying to fulfill that all of the time. As a parent, I can say no sometimes. I can say we have enough. We're in a good place. We don't have to sign up for more. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Notice in this psalm, notice in this chapter, that the initiative for everything that happens is on the part of the shepherd, not the sheep. Right? We're the sheep. God's the shepherd. The initiative for all of these things is on the shepherd. The shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters he guides me along the right paths right the sheep isn't the one making all of the decisions and the reason the sheep isn't making all of the right decisions is because the sheep will just keep doing the same thing if allowed to sheep will keep returning to the same pasture even if they've eaten all the grass from that pasture and there's nothing left but dirt 
Even if there's nothing nutritious there, even if there's nothing nourishing there, they're going to keep going there because that's what they do. That's what they've always done. This is what they know. That applies to us because we have this tendency to keep returning to things long after they've stopped being nourishing to us, long after they've stopped being helpful to us, long after they've stopped being encouraging to us but it's what we know and so we keep doing it again and again and again and none of us desire to live in this stressed out fast paced world but it's what we know it's what we're told from the outside and so like sheep we keep going back to it and going back to it and going back to it even though it's killing our soul even though it's killing our spirit it's what we know it's the shepherd who has to come along and say look there's a better way to live. Let me take you there. Let me get you from where you are to a more sustainable, more nourishing, more refreshing life. God is trying to take you and I there. God is trying to move us from what we keep going back to. Remember we started this series and I said that throughout the, the, the shutdown, throughout the pandemic, the theme that I kept hearing from people was, wow, I hope that we keep having family dinners after this is over. I hope that we slow down. I hope that we've learned not to fill up our schedule. And then here we are a year or two later, and we're right back to the same pasture, right? We're right back to that thing we said we didn't want to go to because we're like sheep. We just keep going back. And the good shepherd steps in and says, no, I have a different way for you to live. I have something better for you so we... We as, as sheep, we need the shepherd to lead us into rest. We, we need God to lead us to a place where we will see the life that he intends for us to live. A life, life of nourishment, a life of encouragement, a life of growth, a life of strength. We need, we need God to do that. This is one of the reasons I said last week that one of the most discouraging things is as people's lives get busier and busier and they sign up for more and more and they're going faster and faster, this becomes less of a priority. Coming together, being a part of worship, this gets less of a priority as lives get busier and busier and this is exactly what our souls need. Right? Opportunity for the shepherd to whisper to us. Opportunities for the shepherd to speak to us. Opportunities to be still. Do you sit this still for this long any other time during the week? Probably most of you don't, right? I mean, are you ever in a room and there's just quiet or there's, there's just music and you are attuned to what God is trying to say to you? Like, I don't think church solves everything. I don't think attending church solves everything. But if we want the shepherd to guide us, then we've got to be in the places where he speaks, and he speaks in this place. He calls to you. You slow down in this place. Makes some of you nervous, right? Some of you've been sitting still for so long, some of you are nervous. You would get up and walk around the room if I would let you, right? Because you got that nervous energy. This is one of those places you have to sit, you have to be quiet, and we're not good at that, and we don't do it very often. That's why I'm begging you, as your schedule ramps up, as the fall kicks into gear, as your obligations pick up, and they do, they all do, I don't bump this down the line. 
because you can't get to the pasture you need to go to by yourself. You can't. Time management is great. Love it. I've taught it before. Like Time management is great, but what your soul needs is more than time management. You need your heavenly Father speaking into your life. And he can do that anywhere. I get it. But you're not this quiet and this still. Your mind is not thinking about him in this way probably any other time during the week. We need our heavenly father, the good shepherd, to take us where we need to go. Verse 5, chapter 23. You, this talking about the shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What does that mean? Symbolic language um, for the idea that a shepherd, when he's looking for new pasture, he will go ahead of the sheep. Right? He will get them in a safe spot. He will go ahead of the sheep. He will find a place that's going to feed them, that's going to nourish them. And then job number two, after finding that place, is to get rid of all the things that are going to be harmful. So he walks throughout the area where he's going to feed them, and he gets rid of poisonous plants and dangerous plants and rocks that are going to trip them up. And anything that's going to cause them problems, anything that's going to harm the sheep, he gets rid of, and then he brings them into this area to feed them. You and I need that. You and I need to trust God to speak into our life and say, you don't need this right now. You don't need this right now. This is not helping you. Like sheep, we have a difficult time discerning between what is helpful and harmful sometimes. We see things and we think they're helpful. We think they're going to be good for our family. We think this is going to be a good thing, and, and it's poisonous. I guess it's not a good thing. We, we have a difficult time discerning between helpful and harmful, just like sheep. And that's why we need to trust God to speak into our lives and say, let's get rid of that. Let's move this out. Let's clear this out right now so that you can be who you're called to be. The oil on the head of the sheep, very similar. Um, sheep would attract, as you might expect, gnats and bugs and things that sting and get in their ears and nose and all their orifices and so he would dump this oil on their head that was kind of a, a uh, an insect repellent 4,000 years ago and he would put this on them so that they could rest so that all of this all of the buzzing and all of the things that would distract them from who they were supposed to be would would be pushed away this is what your heavenly father wants to do for you your heavenly father wants to say let's clear out a place where you can be all that i've created you to be let's get rid of the distractions that are keeping you from being that person follow where i'm leading you um there's always a chance when i talk about this subject that there will be someone who is doing very little who uses this series as an excuse to do nothing, right? It always happens. There's always somebody who's doing almost nothing, and after this series, they do absolutely nothing, right? Or someone who doesn't really like being around people, and so after this series, they decide, 
no social contact, and they feel justified in calling that margin. That's not what I'm talking about. Right? It's not what I'm talking about. I think most of us aren't in that category, though. I think most of us are in the category where there's all kinds of things flying around us and all kinds of things in the pasture, and we need to listen for our Heavenly Father to say, you've got to clear some things out. You've got to slow down. To be the person I've created you to be, to invest in the relationships that I have given you, you've got to clear some things out. Look, I trust the Holy Spirit to lead you to the pasture you're supposed to be in. I really do. I, I trust that if, that if you are quiet and you get alone with God and you seek Him in prayer... I trust the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. Like, I don't have to tell you, you should quit this and you should stop doing this. That's not my role. I trust the Holy Spirit that if you and I will give consistent time to praying, to being alone, to meditating, to listening for His voice, I'm convinced He still speaks like He did with David. I'm convinced He's still that same shepherd that will guide us to nourishing places and help us clear things out of our lives that don't need to be there. You just need to give him that time. You need to give that still, quiet time to the Lord and let him speak to you. I, I believe in the value of wise friendships. There's someone you can confide in and listen to their voice. And be honest and tell the whole story and don't hold anything back. This is where I am. This is where my life is. What do you see? What do you hear? There is value in that. Now, I can tell you, this is just me. And maybe you're not like me. I get really defensive at this conversation. This is one of the conversations I get really defensive over because my natural reaction to this conversation is, oh, you're saying you don't think I can handle this. Right? That's like my, that's how I bow up at this conversation. Oh, you, you don't think I'm doing my job well. Oh, you don't think I can handle all my responsibilities. Right? And if that's you, if you're like me, if this is one of those conversations that kind of sets you off, can you just lower the temperature on that a little bit like I have to do? And listen to what God is saying to you. That maybe it's okay to move some things out. Listen to what the people closest to you are saying to you about this issue. Just listen. Just be honest. Don't be defensive. David finishes this psalm with a wonderful line that says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Surely your goodness and love. Doesn't that sound great? That the goodness and love of God is like always around me. I'm living in this environment of the goodness and love of God always around me now here's the thing if you're a follower of jesus if you committed your life to christ that is true of you the goodness and love is of god is always following you you are always in the environment of the goodness and love and god the question is is that what your life feels like do you feel like goodness and love are following you or do you feel like panic and stress are following you all the days of your life do you do you do you feel like depression and anxiety are following you all the days of your life? Because God is calling you to a life that feels like goodness and love all the time. 
It, it feels like the presence of God on you all the time. And, and when that happens, when you are experiencing the goodness and love of God following you all the time, that's what will flow out of you as well to other people. When stress and panic are following you all of the time, that's what will flow out of you all of the time. Yeah, that, that's how other people will perceive you. That's what it will be like being on the other side of you versus goodness and love. What do you control? What's in your hands? What do you have discretion over and how does that need to change? And how does God need to guide you to greener pastures? God, I pray that you would make us aware of those places, those times that we have, we have filled up not listening to you. We have made life busy and hectic, and we're missing the most important things, the most important relationships, the eternal things, the things that are going to matter long after we're gone. Give us the space to sit quietly with you and your Holy Spirit. Give us the space to listen for your voice. Keep us from being defensive. Help us to walk in the goodness and love of the Lord at all times and may that come out of us for I pray it in Jesus name Amen